This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today I have Ben Connolly joining me once again as we continue our series in What's Essential to a Missional Community. Uh, Today we'll be talking uh, quite a bit about the essential need for communities to have repentance and faith as just this ongoing practice of uh, looking to our own idols and sins and repenting, turning from those other things and beholding and, and turning towards and believing in, in Jesus and the gospel. Uh, but before we do that, Ben, I would love to talk about this church planting roundtable that you're putting together for the Soma family of churches. Yeah. So thanks for having me back, Brad. And um, you're right. The Soma family of churches is hosting uh, its first ever uh, kind of all call anyone who uh, is interested in church planting, whether from the sending church side of things or recently planted or wanting to plant or frankly, even part of a planting team um, for a, a planter's family. Um, and just kind of wanting to put out an all call and say that we know that there are folks from around the, the U.S. and North America um, and frankly around the world, if you want to come across an ocean who are interested in the world of church planting, specifically in a vein of missional communities. But while we know that many of those folks exist, we don't know all of those people. We don't know who you are. Um, And so Mm -hmm. wanting to host kind of a a time to get folks together, talk about some of the, the ground level realities that many of us face in different contexts as we plant churches, um, receive some training, but a lot of it, which is why we called it a round table, um, really is meant to be kind of workshop format hmm. to peer learning and, and sending everybody out with, uh, with kind of a, a next steps plan that's kind of developed around, around you and, and your place in this church planning world, even sending you out with a, with a, uh, coaching call scheduled for a month after that with the, with the folks that are, that are around your table during the actual event. Nice. So, yeah. So trying to, to keep it, kind of reasonably small few dozen folks um, to, to create a little bit more of a familial, relational, personalized uh, atmosphere as we consider, um, again, some some realities of church planting for different folks. Sweet. And so that will be in Fort Worth in the beginning of November? It is. I should know the dates because I'm supposed to be there, right? <laughs> yes. If this is your your plug, then Brad Watson is our the keynote speaker. That's right. Um, I'll be there with my <laughs> smile and my lovely wife dropping her wisdom yes. bombs and I will That is right. I'll be there trying to look competent next to her. <laughs> Which is kind of impossible. It is. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yes. So, uh, so I, I too will be there with my wife, uh, beside whom I don't look competent either. Um, but yes, all this aside, it is November 5th through 7th. And then if there's folks who have planted and uh, desire to join the Soma family of churches, we have an application and assessment process um, the 7th and 8th of November nice. on the tail end of the, the roundtable. Very cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to being there. <laughs> all, all my lack of calendar knowledge aside, I think it should be really fun. I'm excited we're doing this because, like you said, there's 
kind of at, at the moment, the big, like if you're wanting to plant churches with SOMA or within a missional community vein, you have to jump into like a two-year learning process. You know, that's kind of like step one or like a one-week SOMA school, um, which mm-hmm. is not always geared towards church planting. And so I just think it's really cool that we're going to kind of do this special thing and including yeah. an assessment. And that I think it's going to be really rich time. Yeah, I hope so. It, it is kind of birthed out of this realization that um, we, and, and by no means does everyone who comes to the roundtable have to go through SOMA. SOMA, frankly, doesn't care about expanding our own name or brand or that kind of stuff. But we want to continue to uh, fulfill a pattern of resourcing and serving if, uh, if, if folks find our stuff fruitful. Um, but for those who do want to become SOMA, we realize like there's a, a residency piece for future planters and there's kind of an adoption side for kind of already healthy churches. Um, but there's not a lot of help uh, across the SOMA family. Individual churches do a good job, but, but, but across the SOMA family, there's not a help or quote unquote, a way in for churches in the, in the earliest days of planting. Um, yeah. So yeah. So the round table is a, uh, an event toward that uh, in SOMA plant coaching, which is what the assessment uh, optional assessment is for on the back end um, is the next step toward that. So come hang out in Fort Worth with us and That's I'll right. tell you where to eat enchiladas and barbecue and mm-hmm. go see longhorns long and what have you. They have those there. It's true. And we do. it's pretty Joe T. Garcia's. If you take me there again, uh, I forgot to put that in my writer, you know, for me to come is that you have to take me to Joe T. Garcia's again. That's funny because you had like 85 uh, requirements. I do have a lot. Room temperature, water. You're, Room, you're so big time. I actually, I do. People, I just did a youth camp and uh, they're like, so we're booking your airplane ticket. And I was like, okay, so I can't fly. I won't fly Spirit Airlines. I won't fly Southwest. No layovers, all of these things. And it was one of my friends and he was just like, who have you become? Yeah, seriously, you said you know in there, and, and the answer is no. I I don't know. I'm not I'm not big time enough to be able to request such. I'm afraid of flying, and so that's it's mostly around my own fears that I should get over. So that's a good segue. So I need to repent of being a total jerk, prima donna, and uh, <laughs> but maybe more more seriously uh, to reframe the question. Uh, today's topic on this essential ingredient is repentance and faith. And up until this point in the series, we've talked about uh, reaching out to to friends around us, caring for people outside of our own communities is an essential ingredient. Uh, communities having this longing to find healing and wholeness in the gospel, communities finding their identity in the gospel. And the first episode was the gospel is pretty much uh, fundamental, essential from the beginning to the end of every missional community. And so I thought for this episode, uh, as we get close to the end of the series, it's, it's kind of important to talk about this reality that communities need to f- put uh, this practice of repentance and faith, or even as Jesus described it in Mark chapter one, repenting and believing uh, as sort of this, this core practice, principle, cultural element in a community. And so Ben, maybe uh, just to start it off as, as a question, you know, like what, what happens, you know, as you sort of brainstorm, not that this has ever happened in any community you've ever led, but what happens if a community doesn't practice repentance and faith? Uh, what, how does that deteriorate the missional culture of that group? 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question and one that I have experienced and probably, <laughs> frankly, have have accidentally led folks into. Um, right. And I think what happens <laughs> is that we lose the core of what we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of it kind of takes me back to the very first conversation we had in the What's Essential series and uh, of kind of going, why is the gospel essential? Be- because if we lose repentance and faith we've we've somehow moved away from the gospel. Uh, I think that was it Luther it's at least attributed to Martin Luther who says all of Christian life is is repentance. Mm-hmm. And while there can become, you know, uh, a, an overvalue of that, a, a constantly looking at your belly button and and you know, finding things that are wrong, that kind of stuff. At the same time, like we don't have to go 4 minutes without uh seeing how quickly our minds pursue something other than Jesus. Um, right. How quickly we find satisfaction in something fading and false and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and so there's, there's a ton of truth to, to to if it was luther to to the call that that all of life is is repentance yeah and i think that's even true in light of all the things that we've talked about so far in this essential series is uh there's this huge gap you know even as you've as the listeners as you might have heard there's just this huge gap between uh who we are status wise in the kingdom of god where we are position wise in the kingdom of God, and then how we actually live. And I think repentance is, and which confession and assurance goes all alongside that is basically saying, Oh, like I can acknowledge that gap, you know? And I think when communities struggle to acknowledge that gap, they can live in this sort of false pretense of, well, we're just really good people. Or when things mess up, the solutions are, Oh, we just need to plan more or we need to just get a better schedule or, um, you know, I wasn't able to go and like serve those people in need. It's because, you know, I didn't find out enough early enough. And I just, you know, here's all these excuses why. And so then our response becomes, okay, well, we need to be better communicators. And some of that is true, but often what's exposed as we step into community and mission is our own sin and, and repentance mm-hmm. and we have and community can't thrive unless we acknowledge our own sin and idols and things yeah and i think that's true both on like a, a personal level and then uh, on an all all group level at times i think one of the one of the things that happens uh communally as as a missional community life group small group city group home group house group whatever is is that if we forget what we're about then everything ends up being a pretty humanistic approach mm-hmm. so i think there's there's some repentance sometimes and this is where i've again left unintentionally led groups is to kind of go like my, by my by my natural bent we're going to go out and serve really really well mm-hmm. and, and frankly there's a lot of people who serve really really well and don't trust the power of the spirit which i know in our, our next conversation for the next mm-hmm. podcast, but, but don't trust the power of the spirit. Don't rely on, on a word centeredness, a gospel leading to it. And, and so what happens is we're out serving by our, by our own flesh mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't take Jesus in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory to go do something beneficial for someone. There's a lot of folks outside right. of the Christian world who serve people really well. Uh, and so the difference that, is is in us is the 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 power and spirit of god Mm -hmm. um and if we forget that then we're serving by our power we're even 
you know, trying to one another each other mm-hmm. by our power and make each other feel good mm-hmm. or serve, you know, make ourselves feel good, frankly, by how well we serve one another or serve the community around us. And right. I think there's this place, all this to say, I think there's this place for, for a corporate level of repentance of how, how we try to live stuff out by our flesh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that even, yeah, there's this, this need to do individual repentance in each of us, you know, Mm -hmm. as our own idols of comfort or, you know, security, fame, whatever gets pushed up against because we're in community and on mission. The other reality is that communities all sort of collectively develop their own uh, corporate sins or corporate idols. Um, and I think probably one of the most prevalent one is the community itself. And I think this is as mm-hmm. old as time. Uh, but, you know, you can tell that that's something that a community does when the the time spent that should maybe be given towards praising God and all of his grace, that time actually goes towards praising how good the community is. Like, I lost my job, but this community was there for me. Or, you know, I was really having a hard time, but this community was there for me, which I think is true oftentimes. But if we can't see the community as a gift of God and we just see it as the gift itself, the end of itself, God itself, I think that's often one of the main things that people have to repent of, Um, as well as ego, too. Like, I'm really glad that we're a community. Uh, we're so much better than all these others around us. If only other people could live this acts to reality, just how we are. Uh, that's, that's often a case of repentance. And then I think there's also the other side uh, because there's probably people out there listening. Is like, man, I've never thought that about my community. My community just stinks all the time, <laughs> which is the other side of it. Uh, <laughs> right. It's like, Oh, there's the the other idol of like, if I could just get some better people in here, or if these people would just get their act right. together, it's another demonstration, a lack of, of, of faith, really. Yeah. And then, and then I think there is the, the personal side of things too, of going, what do I do if I have offended my brother or mm-hmm. sister? What do I do if I've sinned against them? That kind of stuff. And, and in the same vein of kind of the need for corporate repentance is this, this need for for reclaiming the normalcy, if I can say it like that, reclaiming the normalcy Mm -hmm. of confessing and repenting of sin. Absolutely. First and primarily to God. Frankly, (laughs) we don't like to admit we're wrong at all, much less, you know, humble ourselves before the God of the universe for the most part. (laughs) And and then also repenting and, and, well, confessing and repenting when we, when we wrong one another. And you just see that all throughout the scriptures and, Everything from David's famous Psalm 51 um, against you and you alone have sinned to the call through the Gospels of, you know, uh, I mean, objectively repent and be baptized. Mm-hmm. But then also the the charge throughout the the New Testament of, of look to the cross and, um, and, and, and be reminded of the forgiveness that's offered in the finished work of Jesus and confess your sins to one another and, and on and on and on it goes. Absolutely. Um, it's hard to read a few chapters of the New Testament without being reminded of, of, of our call to repent. Yeah, and I think you can even take it so far as to say that that's something to be so excited about. I know a lot of people get terrified of when and think that the community's falling apart when brothers and sisters are having to go to one another and say, 
you know what, this thing that you've done towards me, or I've seen you do this other sin, like that is a sin and you need to repent and believe the gospel. A lot of times people are afraid like, oh, now our community is falling apart. Or similarly, you know, when they receive that and they say, oh, you're right, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against God. There's a thought of like, well, I guess this community is not for me anymore. It's actually the complete opposite. It's like, well, now you're getting somewhere, you know, like now it's like a real thing. Like this is, this is happening Mm -hmm. now and and we should be stoked about it. That sort of, which is really like this act of reconciliation of is what we're doing when we're repenting to God and we're beholding faith. We're receiving the assurance that we are forgiven uh, is, yeah, it's kind of the stuff that actually builds community far more than hot dogs and I don't know, backyard barbecues. But those are nice, obviously. Ooh, does it? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You're like, now, Brad, barbecues are important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think mostly hot dogs. Dog. <laughs> That's a lot about repentance. Uh, what about mm-hmm. sort of the to go the next level, like this believing and this having faith? And how that's important to a community. Yeah, which I, I don't think you can can talk about one without the other, right? Because, you know, to use the old adage, if repentance is turning from something, then you obviously have to turn to something. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what is it that we turn to? And, and you know, to use your image a little bit ago, like we, when we don't repent, uh, what we're really turning to is some excuse or some justification. We're still, we're still frankly, turning from something. If nothing else, like we're kind of turning from our own self-defined guilt mm-hmm. or, or I, I don't know, but like we're definitely, if it's not true repentance, then we're not turning to, uh, to true mm-hmm. faith either. But I th- you know, I think uh, this is, this is part of where the gospel again, just runs deep. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's only hard to repent when we realize we've wronged someone. If we forget that we're justified because of the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and in the gospel, we, we're, we're free to admit we're not perfect because in the gospel, we, we, we don't do anything mm-hmm. if we don't first admit that we're, we're imperfect. Yeah. And I think it's this, this, beautiful, this beautiful thing of, you know, why, why is the community the best apologetic or display of the gospel? Um, to, to quote, I think it's Noob again. Like, why, why is it that? Well, a lot of it starts with going like, if I don't have a, a a humanist reason like if if i don't have a reason uh, to to forgive you of some way you you've wronged me brad <laughs> um, and if the more natural response is to just walk away and pretend like we never had a relationship uh, never had a friendship then instead mm-hmm. if i come toward you and you confess to me you know, you're like i'm making you to be the bad guy in this it's <laughs> all right that's pretty real and <laughs> <laughs> And if I forgive you, th- then the world around us looks and goes, well, well, there's something different about that friendship. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, if, and if I realize that, that I've, I've wronged you mm-hmm. and, and realize that my identity is not in my own pride or not in what you think of me, that kind of stuff, only then right. will I frankly have the power and motivation to come to you and, and repent in the first place, which is all based on faith. Yeah, which it, it's almost the, the fruit of faith. Yeah, and it, that it really is kind of the, 
if you can imagine the the furnace where communities really being forged or gospel centered mm-hmm. communities being forged is in that ongoing process of being able to do repentance and faith and forgiveness and and it and I think it it requires tons of faith uh, in the cross in the resurrection to forgive another person. Uh, yeah. But as you're saying, it is it's a remarkable display to the world around us uh, and yeah. and just to take even further it's a powerful display to forgive someone and to ask for repentance in our world or to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and so I think the community is kind of the training ground for that. Several years ago, I was a manager at UPS, like the postal, like the package parcel delivery company, uh, the, you know, the guys in brown pants. I worked in a big factory. Uh, I had 12 people under me. Uh, that were putting boxes in trucks and it was intense and it was kind of like an athletic environment. Like there's yelling and there's shouting, but there's this one day where I was new and my boss came up to me to talk to me about something. And she was uh, just a little bit older than me. Uh, She, uh, in my opinion, was not as good as a manager as I was a manager. And she came and asked me something and I just like lit into her. Mm. and the the corporate culture was just like oh that's just the heat of the moment you know like this is that's good but then the next day I came and I sat down and I like uh, walked up to her and I asked for forgiveness and I said I was so wrong to you and I didn't treat you like Mm. a human I was arrogant and rude and crass and you know I would just I just want to come and ask you to forgive me and uh, this lady was wrecked like for the rest of the day and super confused. And we ended up having many conversations about why I would do that and how uh, those sorts of things. And, and I even, I mean, in that kind of environment, I, (laughs) I got to do that uh, quite a bit. And I think there's just something, yeah, incredibly missional about repentance uh, and, and, and doing uh, repentance to one another, even people outside our communities. But if we're not doing it in our communities, we're definitely not doing it out yeah, in the world. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's true. I think that if nothing else, uh, repentance from folks who don't know Jesus is a display that, that Christians don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's often a, a claim and probably, probably a, a well-perceived claim that can be brought against us is we seems like we have all the answers. Don't really ever listen. Don't really ever, you know, mm-hmm. that we're wrong, that kind of stuff. If we do, maybe it, it happens occasionally in private or in other Christian circles, but, but it can be a pretty, pretty telling thing, a pretty eye opening mm-hmm. thing. If, if that is the view of that people have of us to, do missional repentance. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's even this way that, um, like even my conversations with this uh, lady, where it was kind of strange, a few weeks later, I became her boss. So that was really strange. But mm-hmm. even in the conversations we had with her, or, or I had with her just one-on-one, I, she was like, why did you do that? And I got to explain that it's like, well, I am being conformed in one degree to the next, to the image mm-hmm. of Jesus. You know, and and as I look to Jesus and then I look at how I acted towards you, I just can I know that there's this huge gap. But I think the spirit of God is also like convicting me of that gap. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. it, and it's this, this transformation that is happening within me uh, becomes this. Yeah, at least I think for this this lady who is very far from the church, like 
wounded by the church. You know, her, her sexual orientation basically prevented her from wanting to be part or close to any sort of uh, evangelical church, all of those things. And yet the walls were like coming down so fast as we, as I genuinely, and it wasn't just a trick, like I sinned against her. Like I was, I was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was true. Um, and it was, it was cool. Yeah, that is. And I'm glad you mentioned that not, not being a trick. Cause I think that if, if someone is listening to this wrongly, then repentance becomes just <laughs> tool for, for a mission, uh, which is a, a very, very dangerous place to go. And it's not what either of us are intending. Um, so <laughs> dear, dear listeners, please, please, if you hear that from us, then accept our, our own apologies and repentance for that. Cause that is, yeah. that is not what we, it is a, a, a beautiful restorative thing before mm-hmm. our, our God father, um, that right. sometimes happens to overflow, um, to the benefit of somebody's called. Right. Yeah, and I, I think even just to can you know continue to to piggyback off of that or continue to preach. I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I think that our like the last three years for me at least in ministry and in politics and in you know moving and all of these things has taught me one thing like pretty core is that we culturally and even Christian culture wise have a really underdeveloped view of sin which makes mm-hmm. receiving the gospel really hard uh, because even Jesus's name means that he will save many from their sins. Uh, right. And so if, if there's no, like Jesus's name doesn't even make sense if sin is just kind of messing up or miscommunicating or making a mistake. And mm-hmm. I think one of the ways that we get to sort of demonstrate that the need of salvation is to, uh, say ourselves that we need to be saved. I think the church has, and then one of the reasons I know that the church has an underdeveloped view of sin is because the fingers pointed outward towards these other people as if the greatest mm-hmm. sins in the world are only sexual and they're only in you know the entertainment industry or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if we had a high view of sin and then we'd have a high practice of repentance would be if we like actually knew and viewed our own hearts and saw how each of these things that turn away from Jesus are actual sins that Jesus died for and rose again from so that we could have a transformed life. Uh, I think that's, that's super potent. And I think if we were to share and to practice repentance as individuals, as communities, as churches, the gospel would even make a lot more sense to people. It's like, oh, these people are saying that they're messed up and they need a savior. Now I understand to be a Christian is to say, I messed up and I need a savior. Yes. And not just once. Yeah. (laughs) Over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess we should probably leave the listeners with a few practical ways that they could, you know, do this important thing of of creating that kind of culture. Uh, Any insights into that, Ben, on how, yeah, community or if there's leaders out there, how can they, you know, push this forward as as a thing that's just part of the Christian life in their own community. Yeah. Um, I think that there's probably a a lot of ways and frankly, it just takes practice and humility. Um, I I think that the two things we talk with our, with our leaders about in our church about um, first is that every conflict has, has two sides. And so even if, even if I were to think that someone was 99% wrong against me, a, I've probably overinflated my own righteousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
but B, it, it probably means I still have at least 1% of something to apologize and ask forgiveness for. And so, you know, we talk about this in premarital counseling as well, kind of stuff, like being, being the first to try to live out the ministry of reconciliation and no matter who was more wrong, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't know if that's the issue. And so mm-hmm. anytime we find that we have offended someone, regardless of who's, again, this is a silly phrase, but more at fault. What if we all tried to outdo each other in showing honor? What if we all tried to be the the, the chief repenter, um, <laughs> that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and be the first? The other thing we try to do, we try to do this with our kids. You know, the difference in in intentionally offending one another versus accidents and that kind of stuff. We try to do the same with our adults in our community, like learning what is sin and what isn't, because the Bible talks about conflict uh, over preferences, and uh, it talks about conflict over wisdom and unwisdom and it talks about conflict uh, specifically uh, around sin mm. and we're not called to to confess and repent over preference we're kind of called to defer to one another and consider each other more highly than mm. ourselves and and so we don't get to call people to the mat if it's just a matter of preference yeah. um nor should we expect them to repent because they haven't sinned against us um you know, sin is obviously what we've been talking about. Um, and I think a lot of conflict is in this gray area of mm. wisdom. And, and and let's be honest, it's it's less about like us figuring out if we were unwise and repenting to someone. And more often when, when, when conflict comes up, we think that they should repent to us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and if we realize like maybe that wasn't the wisest thing for them to do, but it might not have crossed over into sin. Mm. I think what the Bible calls us to do is is to 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 question and seek understanding, mm. rather than to just assume it's sin. Totally, I think that's really good and uh, really wise is to to come to one another with questions and to mm-hmm. discern, and then I think to to share what we believe and yeah. how we had wronged each other. Uh, I think that's so so important, and and I think too to to celebrate it when it happens. You know, when, when those conversations happen. Yeah, that's good. And then I think, too, if you're in a community, I think there's so much written out there about how to do conflict. And in each HR department, if you've ever worked in a company, like you get all these rules and processes and acronyms on how to handle conflict. And and something that I see us doing in our culture over and over again is is saying, well, you're right. I was wrong, but you didn't approach me in the right way. You didn't do the right steps. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you would have come first and asked a question, or if you would have come and told me first that you like me and that you affirm me, and then told me this, this sin that I'd done, then I could have received it. But because you didn't do that process, I can't receive it. Uh, I think that that's, uh, so just for an encouragement to people is to actually receive it even if it doesn't come out you know in this cool story like uh the prophet nathan to david you know like if it doesn't come out like that it's okay like sometimes people come up and just really rough say hey you know like you did this thing and it made me mad it's like oh well you didn't do the things at all that you're supposed to do to love me but we can still like our in our default position uh might need to be like that we could have sinned like that sin could have happened through our hands yeah. and through our mouths. And so I think that that's a, that's a big piece um, before we r- turn into defense. And, and I think for, for leaders out there, whenever it's genuine and whenever it's real and whenever the spirit is convicting you, uh, I think for a long time we've thought Christian leaders need to hide that stuff. But I would just encourage you to, 
to mm-hmm. lead your church or lead your community in that by by doing it and doing it publicly and doing it to your brothers and sisters within your community. And that does really create a, a culture uh, of repentance and faith. And yeah. then uh, I know this sounds kind of, uh, maybe it sounds cheesy. It sounds cheesy to me, but I think people also need to see examples of people beholding Jesus and believing in Jesus and having faith in him after repentance. Our communities need to see us like praising God for his good grace after the fact that also leads towards that kind of cultural reality. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add, Ben? No, I mean, this is, this is is tough. This is such a big topic. (laughs) Um, that, that I feel like we've just in some ways scratched the surface and, and talked uh, talked a, a few steps down both repentance and faith. But yeah, I think I think the other I think the other part. Uh, I, I was with a, a man named Terry Virgo a couple years ago, and uh, if you don't know Terry, he started the New Frontiers Network out of the UK that's planted like a billion yeah. churches in, in six hundred countries around the world. Or he's just, he's just an awesome, awesome man. He he turned seventy nine the week that he was with us, and he brought his wife and and he was talking about sustainability mm-hmm. uh, over forty years of ministry, which is awesome. He's just, all of his kids are, are either pastors or married to pastors in his church's network, and like he just he and his wife are awesome folks. But but one of the folks that we were with uh, said to Terry afterwards, he goes, "I noticed that in in all your talk about sustainability, you didn't." dwell hmm. um, a lot on sin and terry uh kind of goes yeah well it's it's been forgiven and so when i notice it coming up i repent of it hmm. and then i trust that it's been forgiven and i kind of move on and it was just this really again that, that, <laughs> can, that can go to a to a pendulum swing too far kind of stuff but it was this really refreshing godly man yeah. who's who's you know pushing he's now 80 life realizing that everything we're talking about like repentance and mm-hmm. faith exists because of the gospel and and the promise mm-hmm. is that jesus's work is finished and and he's right like when we realize it mm-hmm. what would it look like if it was just a normal part of life and, and conversation to, to express it to confess mm-hmm. to repent to turn to jesus but then also to trust yeah that it's truly been forgiven Right. And, and let's not. Yeah. And that we don't need that. to lacerate ourselves because he's been lacerated for us. And yeah, I think that. Right. Uh, Bob Thune and Will Rocker, I think that, yeah, they, t- they both wrote this book, Gospel Centered Life. We use it a ton in our DNA groups. But in it, there's this, uh, there's this graph of our understanding of our sin and it goes down. So kind of like a, a downward line. And then our understanding of the gospel gets higher so it's and then the cross all along in the middle just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and um and i think that that's so true i think when you're around people that have done this constant process of repentance and faith they're just like looking at they're just like well look jesus like there it is oh yeah also this too sure fine like i don't care about that anymore (laughs) like uh oh i need to get rid of my ego i need to get rid of my short temper. Oh, I need to get like here, take it. Yes. Like transform me. Um, uh, yeah. And, oh man, I think that is, it is so refreshing and it is so, so free and it is a stark contrast to the way the world works. Yeah. That's probably a a good place to end of going. Yes. Let's, let's repent. Mm -hmm. Let's do it often. Let's do it intentionally. And, um, 
let's let's rest in God's spirit to to mm-hmm. give us the faith to do that. And then let's look to Jesus and trust that 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 forgiveness is real. And remember that every little ongoing piece of repentance is is just a reminder of the one time that God truly forgave us the most grievous sin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I think that is a good place to end. And to all our listeners out there, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for, for participating, uh, even in, in your in your hearing. And uh, as always, if you have any questions or topics that you'd like for us to discuss, uh, don't hesitate to ask us. You can connect with us. You can write us an email to hello at saturatetheworld.com. You can also connect with us on social media, all of that. Also want to let everyone know about this new program we've started called Catalyst. It's where you listeners of the podcast and people within the Saturate world can become a catalyst to help the mission continue to go further as we continue to create more resources and do a lot of coaching, consulting uh, with people all over the world. Uh, You can become a catalyst by giving financially at any level. Uh, You can find out more about that at saturatetheworld.com. And as always, uh, the other disclaimer is if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you gave us a rating on whatever app it is that you're listening to us on uh, so that other people can find us and other people, when they do find us, can say, oh, that podcast is pretty cool. They have four and a half stars or or whatever it might be. Uh, So thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this movement. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.